Hillside. It is Friday morning, which means it's time for another devotion with me, Pastor Eric. Uh, last Friday, I wasn't able to be with you because I was down at Ocean Grove visiting my good friend Chad Bird as he was uh, there to deliver the lesson for the week in the chapel and figured I'd spend time hanging out with my buddy and seeing what he was up to there. But good to be back here with you again today uh, to go over God's Word and to spend a little time there, and it will be a little time today, but I wanted to look at a passage that is insane, incredibly familiar. I was going to say insane, but that doesn't work. Uh, incredibly familiar to a whole lot of people, and that is uh, Mark's account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And from that account, I'm not much, not so much interested in the miracle itself, but, but what I want to talk about today is, well, maybe what motivates the miracle, and even more significantly, uh, from this passage, how we should glean, uh, how we should view our neighbors. Uh, from this passage, we we get a, a glimpse as to how we should view those that are quote unquote on the outside, and that can apply in any number of areas. So, so let's go ahead and read the passage, Mark chapter six, verses thirty through forty three or forty four, and then then we'll pick it apart a bit. It says this, the apostles returned to Jesus, they had just been on a mission trip, and told them all that they had done and taught, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So you get the point, there's lots of people around. Jesus and his disciples are tired and looking for a little bit of rest. They'd like to get a break from all of this ministering to others because in fact, ministering to others can be taxing and can be tiring. And so they're looking to get a little shut-eye, maybe a little break from it all. Uh, but many see them, many are prone to following them. And sure enough, verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and... He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, <clears throat> This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? In other words, 200 days wages? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. End of reading. So most of you are familiar with this story. And of course, it is a marvelous miracle in which 5,000 plus people, all we have recorded here is 5,000 men, no doubt there were women and children there, Thousands upon thousands are fed by the miraculous multiplication of just a few loaves and a couple of fish. But what's more significant to me in this story is what we learn about the motivations for the miracle. Stick with me now. Go back to verse uh, 34. We're told that the crowds follow Jesus and the disciples and that when Jesus arrives on the shore, indeed, the great crowds are there waiting for him. 
And what we're told is he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Folks, I love this phrase. It's not the only time it's used in the Gospels to describe how Jesus views the world. But I love this phrase because not only does it show us the heart of God toward the world, but it also shows us how we should view the world around us. You know, it's so easy to divide over different categories, whether they be political or sociological or economic. We're, we're, we're so prone to wanting to put people on this side or that side. We're so prone to wanting to categorize them and label them. And once we do that, it becomes much easier to simply dismiss them, especially if they disagree with us. And we can just simply say, well, the reason they're going through whatever hard time they're going through is because they have this belief or they've done that thing. But you have no discussion of that in Jesus's view of the world. In this gigantic crowd, no doubt, of the thousands that were there, there were people with many different political views. There were people from many different socioeconomic backgrounds. There were people from many different ethnicities, no doubt about it with many different kinds of stories. And yet as Jesus looks over the world around him, all he sees is people that need compassion. Why? Because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Now what happens to sheep without a shepherd? Well, sheep without a shepherd get torn apart by wolves. Sheep without a shepherd get lost very easily and many times are unable to find green pasture in which they will be fed and taken care of. Sheep need a shepherd. Jesus looks at the world, no matter what they've done, no matter what views they have, and says, I have compassion on them, because I know that apart from me, they're all lost. And indeed, as we look at the world around us as polarizing as the times may seem, I, I just think it's so, so important for us to remember to have the same view. No matter who we come across, no matter how good or bad we think they are, that apart from Jesus, everybody is like a sheep without a shepherd. We are driven to have compassion in the same way. We are commanded to have compassion in the same way. And so that's the first point about today's devotion, how we ought to view the world around us. Secondly, what should we do in response to this compassion we have for the world? What should this compassion lead us to do? Well, it's always really twofold. It's all, it really always is. First of all, what we see immediately, what does Jesus do? Even though he's tired, even though he, he'd like a break, we're told immediately, he began to teach them many things. That is the first component, not the only, but the first component that we are called to act on as we engage the world. Remember, Jesus says in the Great Commission that we are called to teach people all that he has commanded us. And so part of what we do is we engage with the world driven by compassion is we teach them what Jesus said. We proclaim the gospel that declares that God is reconciling the world to himself, that Jesus Christ has taken upon their shortcomings, failures, their sins, and taken it all upon himself at the cross so that he might dispense forgiveness and mercy to them. No matter where they're from, no matter what they've done, Jesus says, 
all who come to me will be forgiven. All who come to me will be renewed. And so compassion drives us to proclaim this message to people because we want them to be free from that which enslaves them spiritually. But, but our end is not only spiritual. Remember I said there's two things we do, and that is, as we see in this miracle, we look to provide for the needs, the, the physical needs, the material needs of the people that we have compassion for. Compassion doesn't um, uh, only drive us to proclaim the gospel, but it drives us to do what so many missionaries have done throughout history, figure out a way to provide for the people's needs you minister to. In this case, they're in a wilderness, they're in a desolate place, uh, not familiar, uh, not unfamiliar territory to the people of God and certainly not Jesus as we think about him being driven out into the wilderness to face temptation. And just as he declared victory over the devil when he faced temptation in the wilderness, so too he proclaims victory through what he'll do here by providing the people's material needs. He knows they're hungry and he doesn't ignore that need he doesn't simply say, well, I told them how to be forgiven of their sins, so now they can figure it out. The disciples seem to kind of want to do that. I don't blame them for this, but they seem to want to say, okay, you've taught them, now let them go get food. And Jesus' response is, you feed them. You feed them. Indeed, as the church, driven by compassion as we view the world, knowing that apart from the good shepherd, they are like sheep that are lost, are driven to do the same thing. It is not merely preaching the gospel, but it is also doing things to help those in our midst. And so the question we ask as we come across our neighbors, no matter who they are, is how can I serve them? How can I love them no matter where they're at? What would let them know that I actually care about them? Both things are so important. And you see the church get off balance whenever mission is minimized to one or the other. Whenever mission is solely talked about is preach the gospel, but there's no material needs met, there's an imbalance. And whenever, whenever a mission organization goes out and says, we're feeding all these people, but there's no gospel presentation, well, well we're only doing, we're only meeting their, their uh, minimal needs right now, but we're not giving them that which will give them eternal life forever and ever. And so all mission really is framed by a passage like this, in which we out of compassion for our neighbor, teach them, but also do what we can to provide for them and serve them. And that leads to my last point. If we've seen so far how we should view our neighbor, which is with compassion, and we've seen so far what should we do for our neighbor or what we should do for our neighbor, which is to teach them and to serve them, well, then the last thing we should get to is, well, what does that mean for us who are in the church, who are maybe in the midst of doing this teaching and serving? And this is what I'd say. I think it's not a small detail. At the end of this story, we're told that not only did Jesus provide for all of the crowd, but he provided 12 basketfuls for his disciples. As we seek to have compassion on our neighbors by teaching and serving them, we ought also to remember that Jesus is faithful to provide for us too. Because the truth is, we're not much different. As a matter of fact, by nature, we're the exact same as all the people in the crowds around us. Naturally, we are lost like sheep without a shepherd, and we still need compassion and provision. And our faithful Lord 
is there to give it to us. He provides for us in our needs, even as we go out to serve the least among us, even as we go out to serve those that, that are lost, and even as we go seek, seeking those to preach the gospel, Jesus promises to provide for our needs. It is why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, and he promises all of our needs will be met. In Matthew 6, he promises that we don't need to be anxious because he knows. He knows our needs, and he will meet those needs. And so those are three things we need to remember. How we view our neighbor, what we should do for our neighbor, and then lastly, what God will do for us and continue to do for us. The never-ending forgiveness of sins found in Christ and his daily provision given to us. All right, that's it for today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday if you're in town. I'll be, of course, at worship here at Hillside at 10 a.m. Uh, I'll see you in person or online. Until then, God's richest blessings to you.